0: see Mr. Hammond back with us. So
1: thank Oh you. yes, I'm, I haven't gone very far. And at the same time, knowing that Greg is gonna be on this today, I probably can't go far enough. Oh, <laughs> my man, Jeff. What's going on, Greg? Hi buddy, I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to see you, my friend. I, yeah, I you. told Judy and Francis I wanted to do this show if I didn't get a chance to do nothing else this week. I wanted to do the one with Greg because I know he's got a lot of things happening. He's going to bring dynamite personality, all insight, right. entertainment, and maybe a cold Michael Walter brute beer, beer. How about that?
2: <laughs> oh, I should go grab one. Yeah. And uh, my <laughs> wife gave me trouble about all this, but I'm like, I can't say I'm keeping it rolling, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm going with it. That's a good thing. How you uh, doing, sir? Doing great. Doing great. Let's see if
1: Ronnie's coming on. I think
3: he is. Hey, Ronnie's here. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but I think so.
1: Oh, he's having reservations now, Greg. He's not too sure about the two of us together.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Have fun, boys.
1: I've known Ronnie I, we, a long we, we,
2: time, too. So that's good.
3: With Fernelli in the room, I just sit back and enjoy.
1: Yeah, there's my man. There's my man. Yeah. So Ronnie, how's, how things going with you? Y'all have a good, good Thanksgiving and we'll get to kind of get through the personal stuff before we start getting serious.
3: Yeah, we had a great Thanksgiving. You know, we opened up a manufacturing operation down in Concord. So uh, my wife and our two youngest kids, we decided to buy a house down there. We've been making that our home. So really enjoying the North Carolina weather and a great North Carolina Thanksgiving.
1: Well, like I say, we're real excited about having you two here. and I, I'm going to digress and go back to To Greg over here, because I wanted to kind of like bring us up to speed real quick and what's been going on in his world. Because I think a lot of people um, are watching and wanting to hear what what you've got to say. Because you guys, I mean, you've been around working in this uh, NASCAR racing world since 1996, and you got over what 8,000 different shapes and sizes of metal. I mean, everywhere you look, metal, steel. Yeah, man, man. Yeah,
2: we just celebrated our 25th anniversary at Stock Car Steel and Aluminum, which is uh, something I'm very, very proud of. Um, had a little bitty party. It was a uh, oh boy, <laughs> it was uh, it was more like a a wedding party. It was so crazy. But um, a lot of the old guys came, you know, from from way back when and and mm-hmm. helped the celebration. But very proud of that. Um, you know, what started as humble little beginnings of Stock Car Steel and. You know, saw a little niche for the NASCAR market has really kind of expanded into something kind of kind of big and and uh, something I'm very proud of and we've got you know at a satellite store in Indianapolis now we've got uh, you know the, the performance parts and the uh, industrial supplies and of course the steel businesses just keeps rocking and rolling so very proud of what my, my staff's been able to do
1: so Real quick, Greg, because again, I want to get Ronnie because we got. I think we got a lot of stuff to talk about, you know, c- collectively. Um, but you know, you weren't good, at, you weren't happy enough doing the steel, dude. You just kept expanding. You know, why is that? I mean, what what do you see, and what what drives you to continue to basically expand your footprint?
2: Well, I think you know any entrepreneur. I think Ronnie's kind of like I am too. is any entrepreneur, you know, kind of. I mean you just kind of want more, right? This is fun. This is great, but I'm, you know, what else can we do? And, um, you know, what else can we grow to? And, and I think, you know, I, I've never really even thought about an end game other than I just want to keep growing and leave something for my kids to run one day. Um, so when Stock Car Steel, you know, we were a NASCAR business and that's what we were. We were born out of NASCAR. We were born for NASCAR it's what we did. It's why we are in Mooresville, North Carolina. And, worked really hard and did a great job of, of kind of getting a monopoly. I mean, not kind of, we pretty much had, you know, every race team, every car that ran on Sundays, that entire car was built out of stock car steel and um, you know, every team, every piece of that car. So, you know, the, the question was, what do we do next? Right. And one of the things that I thought of is, you know, kind of two ways to grow organically is well, what else, what other industries out there, you know, buy the products that I stock. And, you know, there's sign companies, there's machine shops, there's, there's other little niche businesses that buy what we, what we stock in in our in-house. Or what else can we sell to the industry, to the market that we have right now? And, you know, rather than going out and finding other, other, uh, you know, other markets that would buy the products we have, I thought, you know what, we've got a very, very loyal customer base being the NASCAR teams. The barrier to entry is pretty high, like not everybody can just go knock on the door and you know, you get to know the, the, the NASCAR teams and the purchasing agent. So why not look at what else we can sell those guys in the same customer base? What else can we add to our product mix that they'll, that they'll like to have? Um, and we did that. First of all it was with SRI supplies and that was industrial supplies. So adhesives, abrasives, fasteners, cutting tools. And that's when SRI kind of entered the, the fray of the, the Stock Car Steel business. Um, and that was uh, almost 20 years ago now today that they, they came in and um, it was a neat company. I bought it from a a guy and his dad who were, you know, they were struggling a little bit. They just didn't really have a a banking relationship. So they didn't have a really good inventory. They had really good salesmen, really good relationship with vendors, but they had a lot of back orders and that doesn't work with with race teams. You know, race teams need it and they need it now. So they were struggling. So I went in and and got uh, bought that business and that immediately just kind of took off because again, it was the same customer base. We, uh, that business, does a lot of vmi vendor managed inventory where our sales go into the race teams every you know every once a week or sometimes more with the big teams and we go through their 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 uh, parts room we'll go through all their shelves and uh, see what they need we write up an order purchasing guy signs off on it next day we deliver it put it on the shelves for them so that kind of service really really you know uh, catapulted us with the race teams and they these guys are awesome these guys know what they're doing and that's another business that can easily spread out to other industries but we're a racing business man that's what we do we like we like dealing with motorsports um, and in the same time at stock car steel and with sri supplies you know we did branch out of our you know uh, of our comfort zone of nascar but we branched out into motorsports so we got more, a lot a lot of what our branched out is in the in the dirt racing so we've really expanded in mm-hmm. the dirt, r- dirt races, drag racing, marine racing, to where at one time, I think, you know, our sales were probably at the beginning where, you know, 80, 90% NASCAR, you know, they're down to 30% NASCAR now. And we've yeah. grown every year because we have really, but it's almost still 80, 90% motorsports. Um, and also we've grown out of just not only just the other businesses that feed to NASCAR, Ronnie being one of them, right? Ronnie's not a race team, but he's been a loyal, good customer of mine for years because he's a motorsports guy. So kind of we've gotten out of just NASCAR and into more motorsports. And then finally the last, you know, most recent piece of the puzzle was the performance parts business and that was a you know that was an acquisition um that was from CD products their chassis parts division and Ralph Shakes performance parts. There was two guys kind of you know those kind of those kind of uh for those of you who go way back those kind of were you were you know offshoots of uh BSR, but Stevens and, um, and Ronnie Hudson, wow. Hudson Pagan. Those were the two original chassis, you know, kind of uh, chassis parts, performance parts businesses. Then it became CV products and Ralph performance parts. Finally ended up, I bought both of those and, and became SRI performance. And, uh, you know, so now we're, we're very, and that really helped us diversify into other motorsports. Uh, and again, I'm going to say it again, especially dirt racing, dirt racing is a huge part of our business now. So, um, you know, that's kind of where the family of SRI businesses came from. Um, We uh, opened up SRI Indianapolis about four years ago ago now, and that was out of necessity for engine parts. Uh, A lot of the NHRA teams were buying a lot of engine parts from us, and they wanted us up there. They wanted us to have us a presence. So, you know, we've since, you know, really become um, very familiar with all the NHRA teams, all the IndyCar teams, and there's so many sprint and midget manufacturers of chassis and And teams up there. So it's been a perfect fit for for SRI up there.
1: Well, good deal. We got you caught up now. Ronnie, how about sharing a little bit of background with with you before we put you two guys together? Where, what's, what's your background coming from?
3: Well, the irony for me is that I'm a race fan. So ever since the age of four living up here in Michigan, I would go out and attend races at Michigan International Speedway and just a pure race fan. So As I went through um, my youth, we didn't really have a lot of money. My dad and a couple of guys had a plastic injection molding business. So Mm -hmm. uh, my choice was I could go to the shop and work and and make a few bucks or I could stay home and weed the garden. So at age 12, they put me on a Bridgeport mill and I started my becoming a machinist uh, as a teenager, Uh, went to Michigan State University, had a degree in business and then uh, started technique in, uh, in 1991, actually uh, as a prototype and low volume, uh, parts manufacturer for all industries. We're a very diverse company. Uh, but all along the way, uh, I loved racing. So, uh, I made a few bucks early on, I uh, made like 3000 when I say a few, and I started a racing career of my own that, uh, lasted for about 15 years. And I reached a point where, uh, racing was not my, my livelihood, you know, it just couldn't sustain what I was looking for out of life. So I decided to retire uh, in 2003. And uh, in 2007, I received a phone call from uh, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Uh, they knew of my manufacturing capabilities and they asked me to come down and meet with them. They wanted to start building their own race cars. So that was exactly when the, uh, the COT was, was coming into the sport. And I started to produce uh, kits and components for DEI. Then through the Chevrolet relationship that morphed into Henrik and RCR. And then 15 years later, we're making parts for essentially everybody. Um, uh, NASCAR uh, with the next gen on the horizon uh, uh, went to Delara and developed a new race car. So they selected us to come in and be one of the 18 bidders for the, for the next gen chassis build.
1: Now, I think we have now maybe met where the crossroad is between you and Greg here. So, guys, you want to bring me up to speed of what's going on because it's, you know, obvious that Ronnie needs steel and steel needs – I mean, Ronnie and, and, – and Greg needs Ronnie for his cars. It's going to be new built. So, how do you guys put this together and how's it been working so far because, uh, you know, we've only got – a matter of about uh, two months, it's, it's going to be time to be really making this thing happen from testing in Daytona and then getting the season kicked off. How, I mean, how does Larry Mack say we're somewhere in the eighties right now, 80 days before we wind up in Daytona or out in California racing, something like that? Hey, Ronnie, so, me,
2: look, if you don't mind, let me real fast just say something, because uh, this, this, this is goes to the integrity and honor of, of Ronnie John Cox. So, Ronnie and I met a long time ago and, uh, you know, I was selling all the tubing to all the teams to make every roll bar. Mm -hmm. They were making themselves. And Ronnie, you know, started kind of saying, hey, I can make these kits for these guys. And um, Ronnie has a enormously large and successful uh, machine shop, but he can tell you more fabrication and manufacturing facility in Michigan. And, you know, there is a large steel service center in his, you know, you could hit a, a driver and, 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 you know, a golf ball and hit it with a driver to this, this place. And, and uh, Ronnie buys a lot of steel, you know, a lot every year with nothing to do with racing and uh, Ronnie, um, you know, Brian, I met and Ronnie and I, um, you know, kind of worked together and, and kind of built this whole chassis kits. Well, he did it all, but, you know, I kind of helped introduce him to some people and, and, And Ronnie has told me, you know, Ronnie told me years ago that, you know, hey Greg, you're my you're my steel guy for NASCAR, and um, and you know, I don't know how many years it's been, Ronnie, but it's been a lot. But Ronnie has kept his word on that, and Ronnie and I, you know, he's one of my biggest and and most favorite customers there is, and and I just it really goes to his character that, you know, he has stuck by stock car steel, and together we have really you know, gone after this and, 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 and I mean, he's done great for my business. I hopefully I've done pretty good for his too. And, and now we're in the next gen together. So it's awesome, but thank you, Ronnie.
3: Yeah. well, our pleasure. I mean, thank you, Greg. I mean, for 15 years, Greg has been providing materials for us. And, uh, for the rest of our business, we have hundreds, literally hundreds of different suppliers, um, Mm -hmm. dozens of steel suppliers, but the difference is stock car steel as a specialist understands the demands and the needs of racing and Jeff you as a former crew chief know it's all about lighter weight right so we go through great lengths to grind our materials down to minimum wall thickness to meet the rule requirement uh not less but not more and a typical steel supplier you know they they don't care they don't care about racing they're looking at inventory turns and and margins and percentages they they're not they don't care about racing well greg and and at stock car steel and technique i mean we're we're racers we get it we understand it and if you don't understand it and get it you can't do the industry a good service so that's That's why all we
2: that's that's all we care about really right i mean that's all that's all we care about is hey we got to make the best tube the best products for racers
1: Uh, and and i think you know we've got a lot of racers on here but if anybody that's not totally in tune with the idea. I know when I came along, we always had a good car over here and then we have a bad car over here. And you look and you say, well, they were both built the same way. They were both assembled the same way. But back in my time, I don't think we paid enough attention to the detail of the tubing. And and the more we got understanding flex, and, and how twists come into play and, you know, all the good things that go into building a dynamic chassis. The very beginning is that first piece of, you know, round tubing that comes off of the, off the rack to start trying to to repeat, the the, uh, repeatability of building a car correctly. So that when you build 20 of them, the driver can't come in and say, I like 12 because it feels better shouldn't be no difference, but that that is part of the problem. And you guys have just touched on it, is the detail, it's attention to the detail. If you pay attention to the detail, the repeatability will come along with it. If you learn how to, you know, come up with a procedure through all of it. And you, and you understand that, Ronnie, from your out your years of, of, of making that precision part. And Greg, you've been probably blessed out since day one. When you get something that's not like what somebody really ordered, you start understanding the reason why. I mean, you know, you, you didn't have to come in with the knowledge that the racers themselves will educate you if you let Real it. quick. Am I, am I wrong? Real quick, they'll educate you, exactly right.
2: Yeah, and it's so, hard because, you know, steel tubing, anything, sheet metal, you know, the manufacturers that manufactured the steel mills, right? They have tolerances, you know, plus or minus tolerances. Right. Well, they're not gonna make the stuff Really close to the minus, right? They're not going to make it as thin as they can because they don't want to go under and get scrapped. And Stock Car Steel, like I said, has had 100% of the market for so long, and our market share is huge. Our market share to a mill is nothing. Like we are, we have the entire NASCAR market, and you know what? It doesn't crack. It, it's nothing to a steel mill. And we've gotten lucky, and you know, and, and we've gotten a lot of steel mills who have people that work there that are huge NASCAR fans. So they ended up loving us. Like I got a great story about Nucor where, you know, we were trying to back when, uh, and Jeff, you know, this, back when the English wheeled, you know, fenders and, and, uh, you know, these guys were artists, right? The, the guy that made your fenders yeah. in the race team was the probably the highest paid guy there. And he was an artist. Like they would make these fenders from a flat piece of, of sheet with no machines, just their hands on an English wheel. And you know, we were getting a, a load of tube uh, sheets in and we order the exact same sheets again, and they come in and we get complaints. This stuff's crap, it's always different. Like, it's the exact same spec. It meets, mm-hmm. the, it meets the tolerances, it meets the spec. It's the exact same. Well, it's, it sucks. Well, it, it just doesn't work. Like, oh, so after years and years, it were like months and months and months or whatever, you know, load after load, finally we called Nucor, we said, listen guys, you know, do you have someone that can come here because we are having big problems? So they had a couple of their guys, looting you know mooresville north carolina and uh happy race fans so we took them to um to to dei they were huge at earnhardt family who's your favorite driver earnhardt man come on get in the car so we go to dei show them an english wheel they talk to the guy who's doing it these are the big shots at nucor showed them what they were doing showed them a you know a sandbag and a hammer showed them the english wheel these guys like oh now we get it Went back to New Next thing you know, we've got like quarter mil tolerances, where you know the tolerances like this. They cut them down like this for us. Heck, they they loved us from then on. Like we would uh, we would call them and say, hey, we're in trouble. They're like you know, hey, take Ford off production and put stock car steel on there. Like yeah. So they were pushing this in front of Ford and GM because they got it right. They were race fans and they loved
1: it. So you know, we're kicking around the blind obvious about the quality and everything that goes into the two sides that you guys are bringing together. But let's, let's talk a little bit about the next gen. How, how long is this project? Have y'all been involved with it? And where does it stand today as far as the execution and everything? Is it, are we back more like we were with the old car to a certain degree? I mean, we got this, we got this assembly line coming together like it needs to from y'all's van, from y'all's vantage points.
3: Well I think I think it's real interesting Jeff because what you just said about the cars we built two cars and they you know one was better than the other this guy like this or this guy like that for years and years a race car chassis builder whether they were a third party or whether they were internal to a team your objective was to build the next car better than the previous car if you found one you liked you might try to duplicate it but generally you are evolving it and you are building the next car better than the previous car with next gen to develop better cost containment, the idea is to build them all the same with a tolerance, sure, but a fairly tight tolerance. So in order to do that, you have to have quality systems, you have to have excellent manufacturing uh, capability, you have to be able to understand rates and flows and cycle times and all of the things that you would do in manufacturing, you have to bring that into the chassis building process. We've developed a technique, Lincoln Automation, Uh, Sigmund and Quantum Machinery have developed a method we call augmented automation, where we're doing a significant part of the next gen car using robotic welding. Now, the key to successful robotic welding in this application is to actually have the skilled fabricators and technicians running the robots because they know what they're looking for in the final outcome of the weld. They're doing the programming, the fixture and tooling development work. And then once that the, the sub-assemblies come off of the robot, we take them over to the manual welding side of the shop. And again, the most skilled welders and car builders in the industry are finishing the cars. So in order to be able to do that in a controlled way, you have to have a strong quality system. You have to have a strong process flow. And that's how you get the consistency of the finished product.
2: Yeah, it's funny, Ronnie. I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing. It's like, you know, where you know, you Jeff, like you said, that you want to build the next car better. Or, or Ronnie said that they want these next end cars to be the exact same. So, like, you know, uh, Spire Racing can buy the exact same car as Hendrick Motorsports is, and it seems to be working. I- so.
1: But going back to the other part of my question, though, is it going? And, and I guess we're getting in a little bit of the political drama of the supply chain. I mean, how is it? Because you guys are up against a, you know, a clock that's ticking, and everybody trying to get, you know, the stuff together and get it out there to the to the teams so that they're ready for twenty twenty two. You know, when we when we get get started. So how has that been working? Also, as far as you know, are you been able to get necessary what you, you know, the type of steel you've been using, Greg and, and Ronnie, the same way, you know, for the parts and pieces that you're putting together, how is that working?
3: Well, one of the things that I can, I can say is that um, when we were selected uh, as, as the manufacturer for this project, oh. it was in December, um, of and we were supposed to go racing the following year. So, we had in in somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 months available to have cars built from, from just learning we were winning this contract. So you have to get a facility, buy the equipment, commission the equipment, hire the people. By the way, hiring the people is no small task because who do I have to hire them from? All of my customers. That's not always the best thing in the world, um, but we've, we've been able to work our way through that. So whoever made the decision at NASCAR to postpone next gen for one year, the best decision they ever could have made, because that gave the entire industry time to get their feet underneath them uh, to be successful at this. And, and, and along the way, Greg, Greg can elaborate on this, we've had substantial raw material scares. Uh, we've been able to work through it, but it hasn't been easy. Yeah, I
1: mean, well, Greg, we, we know that this is all about, you know, the COVID deal did us a favor, but it also put, you know, extra challenges on everything because when the, even when the COVID deal was going on, supply and demand was not as great as it was because we weren't working on it. And the other time, other side, there were other needs out there. I mean, I need, I mean, I know I was over one time and, and asked for a piece of Lexane and I thought somebody was going to cut my, cut my hand off because it said, uh, we, we ain't gotten it. I mean, that's yeah, because Ronnie dude. took it all. <laughs> 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 that's another story
2: we can tell later on, but uh, all know, right. we'll
1: talk about it later
2: on. Yeah. Cause Ronnie really some good success stories, but um, yeah. I mean, listen, I think, I think what COVID did, right. It, it, it created, it disrupted the, the, the supply chain because a lot of manufacturers got scared, right. They said, Oh crap. You know, we're not, we're oh, going yeah. oh, to slow down manufacturer, you know, steel mills, screech to a halt manufacturers like 3m screech to a halt you know everyone's like oh my god this is going to be terrible Screech to a halt but what no one really thought about was demand did not slow down as a matter of fact for a lot of stuff that i sell demand went up because people were home and what do they do with their home they tinker with their race cars they tinker with their, their hot rods they tinker with everything i've got a funny story um, I've got a little business called Sri Dirt and Drag, and that's over in Denver, North Carolina, and it's just a, a small little you know speed shop. We don't have any delivery trucks. We don't do much UPS. It's just people walk in there and buy stuff. And when COVID hit, man, we were like, you know, it was down seventy percent in revenues. It was just getting crushed. And, you know, no one was buying anything. Well, the next thing you know, I, I look at you know I look at sales every day. And I'm like, whoa, what happened? We had this huge spike one day. Then the next day the next day like the next week was higher than pre-covid sales i'm like what is going on i call the general manager He goes, yeah dude all these dirt racers local dirt racers, all got their 1200 incentive you know government check and they came straight over here and bought parts for the race cars like yes that's awesome but you know but that's what happened like i think no one thought that demand was going to keep up and sure enough it did i mean you know yeah. we we got a year's you know we got a year's break on next gen, but that didn't mean we weren't st- we weren't stopping buying stuff. We continued to buy stuff for the next gen car, and it and it did get scarce. And a lot of what's happening right now, as far as parts goes, is people too, right? So you know these guys who, who bid on these contracts to build you know whatever a, a, a carbon fiber body panel. Well, you know they they were all geared up. Well, next thing you know, they can't get any help. Your people aren't going to work, so it's hard to find hard to find labor. I think it's hard to find raw materials. Um, and, and speaking of, uh, this is the story that I think Ronnie was alluding to. It's kind of a, a scary, funny, scary story. But we had, you know, this, this tube, uh, the, the roll bars that Ronnie makes is, you know, we buy that tube from a, from a steel mill, domestic steel mill. And they have, you know, they have, you know, through all the years of, you know, they have demonstrated they have the best quality. They hold the best tolerances on their tubing wall thickness. And they're mm-hmm. kind of our number one choice when it comes to 41 or to 1018 cauldron seamless tube. So we've, you know, we forecasted. We knew how many cars they're going to make for the next gen, for the first year next gen. and uh, oh, we got a year's break. Oh, great. You know, this is great. So we didn't even change our due dates. We said still bring the tube. Ronnie's like, I don't want to wait. Bring it when you get it. No problem. So we got all these POs with the mill. Well, next thing you know, our due date comes, you know, it's, it's in a couple of months from now. And we call them and say, Hey, you know, uh, can we get that tube early? One day goes by two days go by a week goes by no reply. So my purchasing guys goes, Hey, you know, what's up? Can we get our tube early? Uh, Well, as a matter of fact, it's going to be, you know, seven months late. You can't get it early but your due date which is forecasted for ronnie's needs seven months late this email i wrote to the president of this company i wrote to everybody i could possibly find and it basically said if y'all don't deliver our tube then you will be on the news as as the company that stopped the daytona 500 from going so if you really want that on your I'll, i'll give them your name I'll give them. I'll show them the P.O.s. I'll show them your order acknowledgement when we get the stuff. And if you can't get it to us, in order to for us to make these cars, you will be responsible for the, not having the Daytona 500. And guess what? They gave yeah. us a two, and they and they doubled the order that we asked for. So we, uh, th- it actually worked. Like yes, <laughs> but I wasn't even joking. I mean, it you know it is like it would be like they didn't have any shoulder pads for the Super Bowl. I mean you know that's how important it was so
1: we had scares Ronnie. yes
2: we had scares
1: so Ronnie, were you you did you get a copy of this email well let's just say
3: i um convinced greg he probably was it was in his best interest to make that call <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: listen i was i was uh it was not a good week for me i was freaking out um but you know everything worked out
3: I mean, I mean, look, Jeff, we, we are an innovative company. Our customers have lots of demands. Our, our customer base is brand name America. When they need something, I have to go get it. And if I can't get it from one place, I have to go to another, to another, to another. Now, uh, Stock Car Steel, like, like Greg said, I've been very loyal to Greg, but he's been very loyal to us. So we wanted to s- stick it out. Um, it never did really reach a point of emergent. However, what you're finding right now is in this country, we have... For the last 30 or 40 years depleted our raw material manufacturing capacity to a point that we're not able to sustain ourselves. And some of these base materials, I think the auto auto racing industry in particular is in for some some rough waters ahead because the industry depends so heavily on aluminum uh, parts for uh, the strength to weight ratio, et cetera. China mm-hmm. has recently shut down seventy percent of its magnesium manufacturing capacity, and you need that magnesium to be able to produce the aluminum. Well, we can't just quickly create magnesium processing facilities in this country due to environmental regulations. Uh, just just building it in general. So there are there are some uh, some rough waters ahead in this racing industry for raw materials. Um, so what's happening we're exasperating the problem so i know this is happening right so what am i going to do when i find some i'm going to buy all of it well that just makes the problem worse the old toilet paper thing right it's the same yeah you know,
1: yeah
2: it's gonna be a problem i'm gonna buy a bunch of it and that's you know and, and that's smart people do that right i mean yeah it's uh,
1: well i mean you know you're looking at it from the distributor type of it and he's a manufacturer and the two of you need each other, you know, desperately, but there is a missing link here. If you can't get them to, to help you out as far as distribution, Greg, that puts you at odds with your manufacturer over here who's been dependent on it. And, you know, it's it's just good that you guys have got such a good working relationship and can be honest with one another and know that the other one's not, you know, basically jerking each other around, you know, it's, it's a genuine need. And I think a lot of times, People always forget in racing, and I'm talking you know, strictly about the world that I live in. The clock's been running since the checker flag dropped in Phoenix, right? You know, you got you got you got a clock that runs year long for the for the season, and then you got that downtime that you that clock starts running immediately at the end of the that like I say that last lap and runs to we whenever that first practice session is the first race and we're and again it, we're off at it. And, and if we're not ready, they don't change the schedule. I mean, yeah. as you alluded to, and so did you, Greg, we got a break. The COVID deal did us a favor in a lot of ways with this new revolutionary gen car, uh, next gen car, but it, it ain't going to happen this year. It's You've got to put the product out there and get it done. People always say, um, you know, oh, hey, you know, people
2: that don't know the industry, oh, I guess, you know, Boy, after November, you got some time off to chill, huh? Get yourself like, oh, no, no, no. After November is when we're the busiest all year long. I mean, we sell more stuff during, you know, between November and February than any time of the year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's, I was, I was going to say something about on the distributor side and what Ronnie was talking about. Um, it, it's hard, right? Because as a distributor, you want to turn your inventory. It's very important to turn inventory uh, because of cash flow, because of receivables. And, you know, if you're, you're mm-hmm. stocking too much inventory and, you know, it, it's just tough, right? So the best thing in the world for cash flow is to turn inventory. It's really important. Well, in this this time, we don't, we, I don't care about turning inventory. If you have something, my purchasing guys, don't worry about turning. All I used to tell my, my purchasing guys, turn inventory, turn inventory. Well, now I say, buy, 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 buy as much as you can, get it in stock. Because what's a lot of things what's happening right now at Stock Car Steel is, we're getting orders from people that have nothing to do with motorsports that have never even bought from us before because they can't find it anywhere. So they say, you know, our salesman get a call. It's like, Hey, I've, you know, they've never heard of the people. They're not race teams. Hey, I've tried everywhere. I can't find this anywhere. Well, I tell my salesman, well then to chain, you know, they say that, well, you know, you can get some margin out of that thing and we haven't stocked. Hey, we've got it. So you're a hero to these guys. So it's been really good for our business, but, so now we don't, I'm not worried about turning inventory. I'm worried about buying inventory. Well, you know, what we got to be mindful of is what might happen is, you know, right now the prices of everything, raw materials is as high as they've ever been. Well, if we're buying all this material and the market all of a sudden opens up and everything else, and so the prices crash, we're going to be stuck with a lot of high, high dollar inventory. So it's a game we got to play as a distributor. But right now the game is have it in stock so you can sell it to your customers. And especially next gen,
0: yeah.
3: Well, and I feel very good you know where where next gen is right now with regard to raw materials in our process. We we are purchasing ahead. We're forecasting out what we really will need or believe we will need, not mm-hmm. only for the initial fleet deployment, but the consumption that will occur. And I, I feel like we're in we're in a good place. Uh, we have bought a lot of material. We have millions of dollars of steel inventory right now, but uh, we're not we're not going to have any shortages. It doesn't appear. Absolutely.
1: Well, that's good news, right there. Um, I want to encourage everybody out there that the watch is watching Ronnie and Greg here. Um, David Morton has already sent a very nice compliment, guys. And like I said, we're about halfway through our presentation here, or discussion, whatever you want to call it, free for all. Um, Great right here from two motorsports industry leaders, Ronnie and Greg. Thank you for thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time to be a part of the Partrate Race Industry Week. Because uh, I think everybody understands. Exactly what you've been sharing with those who are listening about the problems you can get into. I can remember back in the day when I worked for Junior Johnson, um, we always got to the end of the year and it would season soon it as it's over with. He'd get with his tax people and he'd see how much money he had to spend to be able you know, not have to pay taxes on it. So we would go out and we buy inventory, you know, from somebody, uh, stock car products, at the time from out West, you know, we'd buy stuff, cars from Banjo Matthews, something from Hutchinson Pagan. But we, I was given like the race car stuff, brakes, radiators, whatever. And then the guys that worked in the engine room, well, they would get whatever kind of, you know, new honing honing machines. And then also also you get the uh, the bridge ports and new lathes. So the overall philosophy, I guess, is where I'm going with this. It's still the same process that we've been doing, but today it's a lot more of an urgent, because a situation area, it was all just about cash. If you could you had the money to spend, there was products sitting there that you would get and get pretty quick. But you guys are having to hustle. It's kind of like you're having to hustle and find the stuff. It's not like pick up the phone and somebody's got it on the shelf or making it to where you know you can count on. It. It's it's a lot more, seems like a lot more gut wrenching. Well, I'll
3: tell, you, I'll tell you another material that we have is a 412 stainless that we use for locomotive exhaust for Amtrak trains, okay? Um, the typical lead time on that material would be eight weeks. Now it is 12 months. So we've literally put together a tactical team of purchasing agents that focus on expediting and or acquisition in places we've never been before. And I think you just have to do that today to, to be able to get what you need when you need it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, you said twelve weeks. The forty-one thirty tube market right now, which is big in you know dirt cars and sprinting midgets and, and NHRA. You know, there's there's one particular mill. It's it's uh, Plymouth's Pro Molly tube, which is kind of a premier brand of of tube of forty-one thirty. That's kind of you know it's it's the most sought after of the tube that's out there because it's it's premier. And um, you know, they're quoting twelve, or, or yeah, they're quoting twelve month lead time. 65 well 65 week lead times and I said you, you you mean 65 days like oh no 65 week lead times I said well you might as well just go out of business I said you might as well just say out of business Plymouth tube is out of you can't get me a tube in a year what the I mean what is going on man um now of course they've you know they've done a little bit better than that but you know, I, it's just, it is mind boggling what's happening in the supply chain industry. It really is. And, and you know, I, I think Ronnie touched on it before and Ronnie and I have had discussions about this too. It's, you know, you, you don't wanna dog on the good old USA too much, but, you know, with regulations, with what's happened, you know, our, our manufacturing has so you know, left this country. And, you know, like you talked about the magnesium with, you know, we're still reliant now on other countries and especially some countries that aren't, you know, our biggest fans, that, you know, it, it's a, it's, you know, this it, not to talk politics, but I feel like, you know, hopefully, COVID opened enough people's eyes that we should need to bring some of this stuff back home.
1: I Go ahead. Go ahead, we do, we do work.
3: Uh, we build exhaust systems for a German uh, exhaust manufacturer locally here. And 439 stainless tubing. There's a big shortage of 439 stainless tubing, and I was in a high-level discussion with them, and and the discussion went like this. And you know, they are literally thinking that instead of uh, fighting through and paying the high prices for the 439 stainless, they might just go back to making the exhaust out of mild steel and plan on building two for every car. So they'll just warranty it for X number of miles build into the price and build into the strategy today that they're going to replace that exhaust system sooner than they would if it was built out of the 439, because they can get the material.
1: Wow. You know, you've already kind of touched on it guys that, you know, well, there's a necessity of invention, whether you have to go and look where you've never looked before or back up and reevaluate how to go about basically, you know, skinning this rabbit to, you know, for lack of better explanation, because it is something that has to be done. And and that brings this right back to what we were originally trying to get to is where do we stand in y'all's opinion for this upcoming 2022 season when it comes to the next gen race car? Uh, are we going to have enough product to be able to handle which, you know, because let's let's face it this is a whole different animal and some of these race car drivers are not necessarily, uh, the easiest on equipment. When, when you start racing and getting where you get side by side get a little bit anxious, trying to win. Uh, we don't have what we, what we've been having to, in the years past, a shot full of basically uh, extra bullets you might say. Yeah. I think Ronnie alluded to it
2: earlier. I mean, Ronnie's the man and there when, when they put that RFQ out, to build a chassis. I mean, there's, you know, some teams bid on it, there was a few teams that bid on it and I understood, you know, why they did that because they wanted to get it. But in my opinion, and, and, you know, there was one person that could do it and it was techniques. And, uh, and, you know, I think thankfully for the industry, they won. And I don't think, you know, as long as, as long as I can get him to be, he, he is, he is going to meet every demand and, you know, before it's even, before it's even asked, right. I think, you know, Ron. I don't want to speak for you, but he, this man is on top of things. Like he has got, you know, their their manufacturing, their facility in Concord is amazing, and, and they will not be late. I mean,
3: I'll just throw it well, out we would we would love to have total fleet deployment uh, already. And and I, for those of you that don't know, there is a, a regulation from NASCAR that each car number is allowed to have seven center sections of the car, the car is made in three pieces, a front, a center, and a rear. Each mm-hmm. team has allocated seven center sections, 10 front clips, and 10 rear clips. Now, we had 40 complete cars built back in March. NASCAR uh, has worked around the clock for even longer than we've been selected, doing simulations and engineering work, testing, validation. They built a car, an autonomous controlled vehicle for validation of crash testing, crash tested the car, and from the results of that, lay those results over the simulation data to determine what revision changes they want to make, make some revision changes, go through this whole entire design and validation process again, and we reached a point where this summer, where they said, okay, we're good to go. Um, we may make some changes as, as we go. This is an ever-evolving uh, project. However, we're good to go. So we have a capacity uh, currently where we can build 30 centers a, a month. We can build 50 front clips a month. We can build 40 rear clips a month. So that is what we are capacitized to do. Now we can do a little mix and match with that to say if we, need, if we want to go to 60 fronts, we could reduce down to 25 centers. You know, um, but by the time we get to the end of December, each car number, okay? Not each team, but each car number should have four complete cars, of four fronts, four centers, four rears, minimum and then we will maintain the pace to total fleet deployment should happen sometime at the end of the first quarter and then of course once we start racing in in uh, february we'll have some consumption along the way so i think i think we we would like to have total fleet deployment right now we don't but we're working i think ahead of what the real needs of the teams would be today
2: now jeff you know, when, Ron's, when Ronnie says, you know, uh, they can do X amount of cars, he's talking chassis. So, um, and I'll, I'll kind of get a, a broader picture if you'd like. Good. Um, sure. So, and we you know kind of just a broader picture of the whole next gen car. So the car is made out of, I mean, we kind of all NASCAR and, and, and SRI kind of broke it down into 36 master parts. Okay. There's, there's a list of about 36 master parts and, you know, Ronnie having three of those front you know front front clip rear clip and and, and center section well there's 33 other and, and and as a matter of fact ronnie's three parts also has about 50 other parts that you know that are or, that are in there you know clips and all these other things but you know those are the three main parts so there's 33 other you know main parts of that car and you know that's where some of the questions lie right the underbellies and you know, all these other parts, you know, uh, and there's all these other manufacturers. So there's like 21 manufacturers who got awarded these 36 parts. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, those are the ones that, you know, are, are is everyone as confident that they'll have them as, as I am with Ronnie? No, but I am, you know, 99.9% sure it's gonna be fine. You know, it, it is going to be fine. These, you know, there's rumors, everybody likes to talk, oh, that car will be racing every single race next year it will be ready for daytona it'll be ready it, it it'll, it'll be ready for it'll be ready for the clash in la in the coliseum it'll be ready for daytona 500 it'll be ready for bristol it'll be ready that car will be run next year it'll be run and it'll be i feel i feel like it's gonna be fantastic um i don't know how we're doing on times but um you know, I, we thought it might be hard to fill up a whole hour, but obviously with me and Ronnie talking, it's not going to be. And, and you talking, Jeff, I appreciate you. I'm glad you were a moderator, too. This is great. Um, well, you're very kind.
1: You think that – No, I mean, you guys have such a unique perspective because you know what's going on behind the scenes and you know what 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 the facts are. You know, you know you're not sugarcoating anything. It's hard to get to it's hard to get, you know, you know, stainless steel. It's, you know, what? It's hard, but at the same time, you reinforce the fact that we're gonna we're gonna meet our schedule. We're gonna be able to accomplish our goal. Now, where we go from at, after that point, you know, who knows? You, 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 nobody knows for sure. But the that- idea that we won't be able to see some, you know, be able to go to Daytona or wind up going to the L.A. Coliseum and putting on show that ain't happening. I mean, no, I've and, never, like say, not been around whenever NASCAR didn't drop the green flag when they say they were going to, unless, you know, something like 9-11, you know what I'm saying, that kind of a, a, a unspeakable situation. But most of the time, they they make their time slot pretty well.
2: And I think the tests, you know, NASCAR's done a good job getting these tests out there. And I think the tests have proven to be great. I think, you know, hey, okay, this is working. This is going to be, you know, this is going to work. This is, these cars are going to be competitive. They work, you know, they're not you know, there's nothing majorly wrong with any of them. There's been a few, you know, gripes here and there, but they haven't been, this car is a piece of crap. No one said that. there has been a little, hey, we need to tweak this. We need to tweak that a little bit warm, a little bit hot. Let's change where the mufflers come out. Okay. Hey, that worked. You know, where the tailpipes come out. I mean, you know, there's been, not mufflers, but, you know, there's been some major tweaks. I mean, some minor tweaks, but overall, I think that the, the the car has been well-received and it's going to be ready. I mean, I'd really feel that way, Um and again, you know, kind of talking about uh, all those manufacturers, you know, there there is, you know, this, it's scary, right? Can a manufacturer get it done? You know, there's a single source guy that's making every one of the, you know, the, the bodies, every one of the window nets, every one of the wheel studs, every one of the, you know, every one of the wheels, every, and, and you know, are they all going to be able to, you know, with, with supply chain issues, with all that stuff, is it going to happen? And from what we've seen so far, it's gonna happen. We, we are distributing about half the parts that's um, going through us. Uh, the other half of the parts for either because of NASCAR wants them going direct like the front and rear clips in the center section. You know, NASCAR wanted those to go from techniques to the teams. Um, some of the, the hubs, uh, the, those wanted in the rear ends, um, those wanted those to go from the ma- extract from the manufacturer to the teams. They didn't want any distributor in there. The rest of them are all kind of you know open to whatever, and we we at Sri end up landing over half of those, and um, it's going great so far. You know we, we've they're all serial numbered, so it's a lot of tracking serial numbers. You know you've got to you've got to report to NASCAR, you know who bought what, you know what upper control arm, who bought one prop shaft, you know or, uh, you know who, so you, you got to control all that all the serial numbers to so who goes what where, and um, you know and it's it's just part of the NASCARs. I think this next gen, I love what they did. I love the overall theme. I think it will, it already has, you know, shown some parity. It already has got interest of other manufacturers to come in the sport. So I think what NASCAR wanted to do is happening. I think the business model was a little bit broke, Um, you know, before with, you know, teams, you know, obviously, you know, spending more money than they were receiving. So it wasn't a great P&L statement at the end of the year for a race team that wants to run for a championship. And I think next gen is going to change that.
1: Well, guys, y'all have been very informative, and uh, Greg, as always, you've been very entertaining. And Ronnie, if maybe sometime when I got a moment, I'd love to come by your place in Concord and, and, and get a chance to see what's going on. I go by Greg's place, even though he's not always there. Uh, sometimes he's out messing around with Michael too much, but uh, I get a great time with some of these great people that work over there at the, at the Parts House or... When I'm needing parts and pieces for my farm, when I broke something, I got to go, go by the steel place and get me some stuff down at Dragstrip. But great talking to you, gentlemen. Looking forward to 2022. And uh, I believe we've been rejoined by Miss Judy and Francis. And guys, I think I've done all the damage I can here today. Well, just Thank I you have for to
0: say, I've been to Ronnie's shop. It's ideal. It's perfect. It's so set up. All the robotics. Very nice.
1: But th- thank, you. thank you very much for being with us today.
0: The concept for e-part trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for e-part trade is actually quite obvious Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier
2: to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information if it's a company, you click on the request more information and then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier.
0: You can go to ePartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At ePartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your work day in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of e trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPARTRADE trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology.
1: There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.